Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of Fuck This Week, brought to you from the fucking... I'm not... I'm doing very little to uh, dismiss rumours of my metropolitan elitism and hipsterness and middle class. I'm coming to you live from Brick Lane. Uh, so, yeah, doing very little to to quell those, those uh, accusations at this time. Um... But you know what? Be that as it may, I thought, I thought as I'm in this area, uh, and I used to live here um, for a while, I thought, why not just do a little, a little, a little cheeky 45-minute, hour-long uh, catch-up on on all things. Uh, I was going to say all things news, but you know what? I'm still on my abandoning the news tip at the moment, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's so weird waking up every morning and thinking, I don't know what the fuck is going on in the world, and it's like a sort of a real ignorance is bliss kind of feeling where it's like i'm sure that everything is burning down all around me and i'm sure that everything is a a chaotic murderous mess but yet somehow in my cushy little cozy bubble i am protected and insulated from all of it and uh and i know it's not a great thing but uh you know to to be sort of blissfully ignorant about other people's suffering and worries and the murders and the you know shop shelves being bare and shit but it is it's something resembling a holiday in a weird way because it's like i just feel like i've left my worries behind i just feel like you know i mean not entirely behind because i'm i'm not blind that's the problem is is you know there's still elements of politics and the news that just they it can't help but touch you so with um with the empty shop shelves for example i haven't been reading about the causes for that or what they're going to do about logistics and hgv lorry licensing or or anything like that i assume that it's all developing and there's probably a bit of a panic about it out there but uh but but i'm aware of it still because when i go into the shops i'm seeing increasingly less food in there and um you know it's getting to the point where i'm like you know, should I be worried? Should I be panic buying? Maybe I should just break, break out of this early and just check the news and check that me and my family aren't going to starve. Like, is that the sensible thing to do? You know, like in, in six months time, after both of my children have starved to death and somebody arrests me for neglect and they're interviewing me in a police room, are they going to say, oh, didn't you think, like, didn't you think it was weird that every time you went into a shop there was less and less food and you'd like even then you didn't think maybe I should check the fucking news for the sake of my children I'll be like no I just really wanted a break you know <laughs> it's so weird like living in a period where uh for the first time ever I think we can credibly say I, I think that's accurate we can say for the first time ever Britain has sold out of fresh fruit and veg, you know? Like, how often does that happen? When has that ever happened before? Where you've gone into Sainsbury's or Tesco's or whatever, and you go, yeah, I'm here for some fresh fruit and vegetables. And they go, yeah, we are sold out. <laughs> like, we're the fattest nation in Europe. We've got a huge obesity problem. I never in a million years... If you'd asked me two years ago, do you think there'll be a... A national shortage of fresh fruit I would have been like uh, can't see that happening fresh fresh like maybe a shortage of burgers <laughs> fucking alka pops and cigarettes maybe I don't know um, shortage of beds on the fucking heart disease wards and shit perhaps 
I don't know, like in, in the in the run up to Brexit and uh, and all of the implications and repercussions that loads and loads of people predicted. Uh, and here's here's the wild thing. I think this has been said a few times now, but uh, the sad thing about it is the scaremongering, the stories, the predictions that were tabled before Brexit and and in the immediate aftermath of the actual referendum vote have turned out to actually be sort of a blue sky scenario. Like things have gotten progressively worse than people had imagined. You know, like they had previously said or warned. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe there might be a shortage of, you know, Britain could expect a shortage of about 10,000 lorry drivers. Turns out now it's like near 100,000. Or they said before, like, yeah, there might be shortages of this diabetic medicine. Well, no, now there's fucking no blood vials for blood tests across the United Kingdom. Like, it's so much worse. And I'm I, like, before I bailed out of the news for this little holiday, the last thing that I read was that people were expecting this to be the beginning this is not the end. This is not as bad as it's going to get. This is the end of the beginning rather than the beginning of the end. That was the last quote I read about it. But there's always this attitude in the UK that, uh, oh, well, it couldn't happen here. That's the cliche that gets wheeled out. Well, it, no, it couldn't happen here. Like, I remember people saying that about Nazi Germany, like in my childhood and in my teens and you know, the, the occasional moment of political awareness in my teens, I might say to my dad, like, could, do you think, like, a Nazi party could ever get in power here, Dad? And he'd be like, nah, wouldn't happen here. You know, like, it's just that mentality, that real, like, British exceptionalism, like, almost by definition, British, British exceptionalism, like, it could not happen here, uh, that we wrap ourselves with, like, it's cotton wool. We just comfort ourselves with, oh, no, well, this is different. It's different here. Um, and now we're seeing that actually it's not different here. You know, who, who could have ever predicted that we would be looking at food shortages <laughs> in the last, like, in the last, like, let's say, 10 years ago? I wouldn't have thought that. It's, um, and, and yet still, like, even now people wheel out this, oh, it couldn't happen here. This whole, um, you know, oh, come on, this is England, old son. You know, like that. It, we really like to sort of parade ourselves around and like wave our flags as though we are somehow different, as though uh, real problematic um, components and nuts and bolts within just human beings somehow wouldn't apply to England or Britain because we're British. It is so weird. It's just sort of lunacy on a, on a national scale. Um, and, and I suppose the most concerning thing about it is, uh, well, one of the most concerning things about it is when we thought originally that the anti-vax movement was just something that was confined to some southern states in the US, uh, you know, you would see these news reports about anti-vaxxers and you'd sort of snigger at them, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd be like, you'd be like, oh, look at these idiots, these fucking rednecks in southern state United States. Like, is it, like how can they disbelieve medicine how can they be and now at the worst possible time that movement has bled out into the british consciousness and now all of us know you know what like four five six seven people in our immediate circles who are vaccine skeptics they like to rebrand themselves as or at least they did until about like a month ago then the most recent comments that i've had right i've done a couple of tiktoks here and there about um about vaccine scepticism and anti-vaxxers and 
And now I've noticed that they start calling themselves purebloods, which is just so fucking wall-to-wall Bellevue crazy. Like, yeah, I'm a purebird. It's like something out of fucking, like, what's it called? Walk of the Living Dead or whatever that show is. Or, like, didn't Nazis call themselves purebirds? And fucking, I'm sure, like, the, the phrase pureblood is just dripping with, like, Aryan ideology, like, Nazis. It's just, it's not a good look. It's such a weird thing to call yourself. If you go on, I think if you go on a TikTok and you say, like, I'm a pure blood, I think you need to immediately stop writing that comment. Turn it around, like, find a mirror, look at yourself, and punch yourself in the fucking face. Because that is batshit. Do you hear yourself when you call yourself a pure blood? I ain't listening to you. You ain't no pure blood. Fucking get the fuck out of here with that weird mythological bullshit. Like, people love to just... They love, they love an identity, don't they? They love to wrap themselves up in some sort of political or, like, oppressive identity. Um, and this is just, like, the latest version of it, right? Like, it, you know, we've had Remainers and Brexiteers. We've had... Uh, Catholics and Protestants we've had the I don't know the English versus the French you know people love to just align with some sort of flag or some sort of collective identity or football teams you know and they love to beat the shit out of each other it's it's so mad and so paradoxical when you consider that these these are sort of traits of the right wing of politics right Nazism populism nationalism to, to need to align yourself with a collective identity would, traditionally speaking, I think, sit in the sort of left of the, the political sphere. Because you'd be like, yeah, let's all work together. We're a collective. That's like fucking communism. Is, like, that's what the word basically means. A community working for the communal good. Let's work together under one umbrella. And yet, for some reason, with, at, at its most base level the right of the political landscape seem to align to this like flag waving beat the shit out of each other nationalist populist nonsense it's i don't know what it is about that but it's there's something there isn't there i I wonder what it is that just trips people into being like yep okay now now i'm into collective identity now i'm into strength in numbers and oh cool okay so do you want to you want to fund a hospital then for the greater good? No, no, fuck off. Fuck off. I'm not funding a fucking hospital. I just want to wave my flag. Um, I don't know. I think between power cuts, imperial measures, and wanking over the war, at the current rate of regression, I would be gobsmacked if we don't have town square hangings and people bludgeoning each other in an amphitheatre while Emperor Boris World King Johnson looks on with his thumb raised, yay or nay, in approval. And they just beat the shit out of each other in the amphitheatre for a bird shit stained crate of rotting fruit to feed their families. I think, really, that's not far off where we're headed. Like, when you think, you know, ten years ago, we we felt like a Western liberal democracy. And nowadays, where the fuck are we? Like, it feels like every other week there's some announcement by, like, Pretty Patel or the wider Tory government where they're either, you know, progressing private school pupils uh, quicker or they are uh, cutting people's dole, universal credit, or they're talking about the possible benefits of the death penalty. Or, you know, like, every fucking week there's another step backwards. And, like, we're seeing it over in the States as well, like, in, in Texas... Um, the, the pretty much in, in any meaningful way abolition of abortion 
uh, it's so strange to see all this progress getting wound back and wound back. Um, and in, in British politics, uh, it seems like we're moving further and further towards... Like, here's, here's my, my hope, I suppose, is that people wake the fuck up and they realise what a state the country is descending into. Um, you know, whether that is Brexit-related or not, or just through government incompetence. But they see the state of the, of the state, uh, or the country, um, uh, decaying and declining and they start to wake up and they vote for something resembling a progressive alliance um but my my gut tells me like my faith really in the british public at this stage or or indeed the american public uh is that things will continue to progress in a negative direction because there is just too much emphasis in the electorate on empty winning you know there's just too much emphasis and personal victory in backing the victor if that makes sense like so with 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 boris johnson's conservative party i have a suspicion that a huge majority of people voted for the conservatives because they wanted to back a winner they just they don't like to back the loser (laughs) You know, I know that sounds really base level and childish and regressive and fucking depressing. And it is all of those things. But it is, I think there's some truth to it. I think if you ask your mate down the pub, like, would you vote Labour? Ah, fuck Labour. They're never getting it, you know. And then they'll vote Conservative just so then they have the social collateral to greet you the following week down the pub after the election and go, ah, your boys didn't get in. Did they? they treat it like fucking football. It's, and, it, and it is like football. It's like... Um, it, it's sort of empty winning and symboli- symbolism and sort of flag waving and it's all about who won and who backed that winner. It is like, um, like I, I talk about this in, uh, so I've been writing a Medium blog just as a little aside about stories from my youth and my teens and my 20s uh, that I think are sort of funny. I haven't published it yet. But one of the stories uh, uh, sort of picks up in the council estates where I grew up where kids would wear t-shirts like football shirts of teams and they would fight each other over who got to be Liverpool over who got to be Man United in their little game of football in the street (laughs) right and you'd ask them you'd be like why do you support Man United oh I don't know yeah my dad does why does your dad support Man United oh I don't know has he ever been there no has he got any connection whatsoever to Manchester United no what about Manchester no like just they have no connection to these places and yet they just buy the shirt because they like the winner or because the center forward for that team is a good looking hero looking kind of chap you know so they want to be the winner and it's it's like that with politics now in the uk i think it's sort of we we look at whoever is likely to be the winner and then we we put their shirts on and we uh, cheer them on and then when they win, if they do win, then we claim it as some sort of personal victory in exactly the same way as a child would when Man United score 3-0. They go, yeah, we won. Hey, we beat you. We beat... You beat me, did you? You beat... Exactly what did you do in this equation, in your mind? How did you beat... You know what I mean? It's taking, taking responsibility for someone else's victory. 
And uh, but but it's worse than that because at least when a child takes uh, takes the victory off of the team or shares in the victory from the team, there's no real harm. I mean, unless he beats the shit out of his friend, like <laughs> like I I saw happen. But it, there's no real harm, broadly speaking. But there is a harm in in supporting and continuing to support a political party purely on the basis that you don't want to back the loser it's got nothing to do with policy do you know what i mean um i don't know anyway so we are where we are we've uh we're seeing a lot of food shortages we're seeing uh uh, shelves becoming bare and we're you know i'm trying not to, to see the news there's been a couple of things that have crept into my periphery whilst i've been taking this break from the news um i saw something about gas supplies i'm aware that there's some sort of problem with that but any do you know what any time i see anything on twitter to do with like the news or specifically an example like this like the gas supply thing i just immediately shut the fucking browser window because i just can't deal with it i just like i have to just have this space away from it and have some sort of confidence like i just want to borrow the ignorance off of people who just walk around and say shit like <laughs> well it's all right no the government will sort it out i don't care i'll just watch love island <laughs> you know like that sort of you know, oh did you see the the, the bbc said it's legal it's nothing to do with brexit so <laughs> you know and then they go back to watching whatever trashy fucking you know See, I'm, I'm struggling to think of, like, the names of reality stars now. But, like, what's that fat bitch off um, uh, The Only Way? Gemma Collins. God. They just go, like, they, they ignore the news, they turn it off, and then they watch Gemma Collins or Love Island or something, and then go to sleep happy. And I'm just borrowing that, just a small smidgen of that ignorance, just to be happy for three or four weeks. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I think with, with Brexit, you know... Five years ago, loads of us were warning about what would happen. I mean, I say us. I was just sort of reading stuff and then parroting it to people. But lo and behold, it turned out that it was accurate. Uh, you know, lots of people were warning that, that bad things might happen and that all the foreigners might go home and that there might be an impact on HGV drivers and retail staff and bar staff and delivery drivers and taxis and... Uh, and food supplies and, and blah, 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 and various industries, right? And, and it was always dismissed as Project Fear. It was always like, oh, no, shut up, Ramona. Um, and now we are where we are. And I remember saying years ago, I remember saying, I don't even care anymore about being right or wrong. Like, I am relatively certain, this is me, like, you know, three or four years ago saying this, saying, like, I'm relatively certain from what I've read that things are going to get pretty bad as a result of Brexit. And I remember saying, like, I, I'm not even worried necessarily about things getting bad. What I'm worried about is where the anger goes. And I kind of stand by that. Uh, when I was, I guess, what, so three or four years ago, I would have been about 36, 37. Um, and what I meant by that then was... At the time, there was so much hysteria around immigration and, you know, you can say that Brexit was won off the back of, uh, you know, uh, concerns around trade deals and sovereignty and whatever, if you like. But you can't deny the fact that hysteria around immigration and that Nigel Farage um, uh, billboard with the Britain is full and, um, and just his general rhetoric uh, and his background, you cannot deny 
that shit like, oh, you know, 70 million Turks are going to come to the UK. All of that shit had some sort of material impact on Middle England voting to leave the EU, right? That is just a fact. That it's indisputable that immigration affected the result of the, the referendum. And given that it was such a narrow margin, I would say that without that, probably likely we would have voted Remain. Now, um, I used to say, you know, when when uh, all of the bad shit happens and all the foreigners go home, where does the anger go? And and what I meant was, you know, all the let's say all the Polish go, all the Bulgarians go back home, all the French suddenly go, do you know what? Fuck this shit. They go back to Paris and but but is it Berlin? God, I'm so fucking ignorant with European cities. Um, but you know, like everyone, everyone goes back to the continent. And suddenly we're left without immigrants and we're left without people who do the jobs that British people traditionally do not want to do. And suddenly businesses are struggling and closing and fruit is rotting in fields. And, you know, all of the problems that we know now that are real and are causing all of these companies and industries real problems and potentially might leave us hungry. (laughs) All these problems. Where does the anger go when you've been told, you know, for the last 10 or 20 years in every tabloid? Oh, it's the immigrants' fault. Oh, it's the, it's the brown people. They're at fault. It's the asylum seekers. Oh, it's the fucking Bulgarians. It's the Polish. They're coming over here, taking your jobs. They get a free council flat, blah, blah, blah. When they all fuck off and you're left with a country that is struggling and there's no immigrants to blame. I remember saying to, to friends of mine three or four years ago, going like, these people are going to wake up one day in 2020 or 2021. And they're going to be like, wait, hang on. Hang on a second. There's no Polish people around. There's no Bulgarian people around. And my life still sucks. What the fuck? And now we're there. We are, we are literally there. In, in the situation that I sort of joked about as an extreme example only three or four years ago, we're now in that situation where uh, in droves people have left and gone back to their homelands or mother countries or they found other countries to go to. Um, you know, big you know, banks, organisations, professional services firms have uprooted and then gone to Berlin and Paris and Dublin. Um, they, you know, it's not that their workforce have necessarily gone home. It's that they've just gone, well, OK, I guess the European HQ has moved. So I'll just go and work in Germany for a bit. You know, now we're in this situation. All of these all of these f- fucking foreigners have gone home. Where does the anger go? How what are you going to be angry at if you spent the last 20 years railing at the radio uh, and the TV about fucking foreigners? And now fewer foreigners are coming over here. And taking your job. What are you going to be angry at now? The EU? <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's the only thing left, isn't it? Because the alternative would be to turn the mirror around on yourself and be like, right, maybe I was had. Maybe I was led up the garden path with this shit. You know? Maybe the Remainers were right. <laughs> that is a difficult thing. That takes a strong character for somebody to... to, to to, to stand there, hold their hands up and go, hang on a second, I was fucking had here. You told me X. And now it turns out it's Y. And you fucking lied to me. And there should be repercussions for that. And I owe a lot of people a lot of apologies because I made a real cunt of myself in front of all my friends around a pub table, um, parroting lines from the vote leave shit and parroting Farage stuff. And I believed everything that he said, hook, line and sinker. And I called all my friends twats. And now I look like that. You know, like that would take a real strong character to stand there and go, you know, because like at least with COVID, 
at least with COVID, if you're a COVID hoaxer or, you know, a, a vaccine skeptic, and then you get COVID, you are fucking riddled with the Delta variant, right? And then an ambulance comes and picks you up and goes, yeah, you've got respiratory issues. We need to get you on a ventilator ASAP. And then you're sat there on a ventilator and a doctor or a nurse is just like, look, we're doing an NHS video for people who are vaccine skeptics. Would you mind contributing? Is there anything that you, you know, maybe you feel a bit regretful about? You know, in that situation where you're facing death in the face, the Grim Reaper is fucking wanking over your yellowing body. You might then, when you're faced with the objective reality that you're about to die, you might then go, I don't want other people to to suffer this. I don't want other people's families crying. And in that moment, you might say, okay, I was wrong. And yes, I will contribute to the video, interview me, and I'll tell you, I'll tell anyone to get the vaccine. You might, you know, because it's so black and white in in that instance. Um, But with Brexit, it's never going to be black and white because you just have this tabloid culture in the UK of weird right-wing journalists who are just like, oh, bloody Europe, always meddling in our... Look, they're punishing us. Look what they're doing now. They're punishing us by... By, by sticking to the laws that they, they stick to with every single third country outside of the European Union. They're making us stick to that as well. It's vengeance, I tell you. Vengeance for making us vote. To, they made us vote to leave. Bloody EU. You know, it's so strange and contorted and delusional. And, uh, and, and until that changes, until the newspapers are reined in somehow... And in 50 years time, we're able to look back at these fucking hate rags and be like, hang on a second. How do we allow, how do we allow the public consciousness to be informed by six out of eight newspapers being right wing? How is that allowed? How do we allow morning breakfast news TV shows to do what the papers say, like a review of the morning papers and the headlines? How do we allow them to do that based off the fact that 75% of the newspapers are fucking right wing? So even the morning, like, they're not right-wing, like, you know, Good Morning Britain and BBC News and Sky News, but the fact that they're taking their talking points from 75% right-wing newspapers is right-wing. So it's like, how do we, how do, like, 50 years from now, we're going to be like, how do we allow ourselves to fall into that situation? It's going to seem like lunacy. People are going to be like, that was fucking madness. What, and seriously, like, every day there was another newspaper that all of the radio shit, like LBC, talk radio... Newsbeat, fucking Radio 4, Sky News, Channel 4 News in the evening. Like, all of these fucking news outlets all took their talking points. And, and like, what I mean by that is, you know, The Sun will publish, a, or The Express will publish a, um, a hysterical headline that will say something like, um, 73% of Brits hate foreigners. It'll be something, you know, outrageous like that. Uh, and then Good Morning Britain or Sky News will be like, well, the sun are running this headline. It says 73%. What do you think? And they go out and they get vox pops from people <laughs> in the high street and they go, text us your thoughts. And then they say, oh, Joe Bloggs from Dartford has tweeted and he says, yeah, I bloody hate for it. And then this person, but it's not enough that you have a balance there in Sky News or BBC Breakfast or whatever. Uh, you know, you have a lefty and then a right winger on the breakfast sofa saying, <coughs> well, you know, the sun is actually quite right of scent. And then, you know, the right winger going, well, you know, I don't, you know, that's supposedly balance. It is the, but it's, it's, the problem is 
that it's just having that talking point is fundamentally right wing. And in 50 years time, I swear to God, we're going to look back at this period and be like, that was fucking lunacy. Like from 1980 to 2020, (laughs) it's going to be like our Nazi Germany. Like it's going to, you know, people, the, the same way that people look back at Germany from, you know, the 30s and 40s is the same way that I think people are going to look back at Britain from this period. They're going to be like, that was fucking nuts. What happened? <laughs> Did the whole country just fucking drink absinthe for 30 years? What the fuck went wrong? Yeah, yeah, we all sort of collectively lost our minds. Um, and you see it in other, uh, you know, I've been ranting along about Brexit and about the news and shit for, what, half an hour now, but you see it in other uh, tracts of, of political life and, and popular culture and um, you know, this, this obsession with symbolism. Uh, the current example that's, that's going around my head is, you know, people don't have to wear masks a lot of the time now. Uh, and if you ask people to wear masks, even though it's for their own benefit and the benefit of their families and people they work with and, and so on, uh, they get really funny about it. They start quoting libertarian shit that they read off a quote thing on Facebook. They're like, you can't, you can't force me to wear it. And then what, where are we now? We are in late September. So in like, what, eight weeks time, the same motherfuckers will be reprimanding you for not wearing a poppy. So the mask that might save their lives and the lives of their families, or at least help them to you know, not spread it or, or whatever, that is, you shouldn't force them to wear something that they don't have to wear. <laughs> but a fucking poppy that has no material benefit to anyone in, in any scientific or, you know, I don't want to say meaningful because I know that there's a lot of symbolism attached to it and I'm not trying to disrespect soldiers or, you know, our history or anything, but come on, it is not in the same league as a mask that could protect somebody from becoming infected with a potentially fatal illness. It's just not. And, and the fact that these motherfuckers can't see the overlap there, the cognitive dissonance that must be employed to... To, to one minute say you can't tell me what to wear and then eight weeks later go why aren't you wearing a poppy is just fucking outrageous um, and, and we see this sort of symbolism this uh, this you know a lot of it is, is outright symbolism and, and a sort of uh, defiant move towards it but a lot of it is um, defaulting to symbolism uh, so um, and look I know I'm, I'm going way off on a couple of tangents here but um uh, you're just going to have to deal with it because <laughs> this, is, this is just me talking to myself like a fucking lunatic. Um, and, and you know what? This is, how, this is how my thoughts are structured, guys, all right? And somewhere in there, there's a couple of pearls of wisdom, but amongst all of it, you just have to fish through all of the haywire and fucking ranting and drivel. Um, where was I? Right, so yeah, defaulting to symbolism. So sometimes it's outright symbolism and it's defiant and it's like, yes, we will put flags up behind us in every TV interview. Flag worship, flag nonsing, poppy nonsing. Um, and sometimes it's, a, it's defaulting to symbolism out of desperation. So a great example of that is uh, nurses pay, right? We will clap for our carers off the back of the greatest challenge for the NHS in, in fucking 80 years or whatever it was. To, to have all of these nurses still going in to, to wards and looking after people, putting their own lives at risk and the lives of their friends and their family, if they catch it and spread it and so on, 
And then at the end of it, they're like, can we just get something resembling an actual pay rise that isn't eaten up immediately by inflation and rent hikes and mortgage, right? Can we just have some sort of like some dignity? Can we have enough money to just pay our fucking bills, please? Just for 5% pay rise, please, Mr. Johnson. He's like, no, 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 we'll just clap. We'll just clap for our carers. And the, the thing that really stinks about that is that this is a guy who, when they asked him if he would do, if he would take the knee for Black Lives Matter, he said he didn't do gestures. I don't do gestures. That was literally what he said. I'm not, I don't do gestures. And then two weeks later, he was like, you know, when he's backed into a corner, <laughs> of like, you have to give the nurse, this is the prime time to give nurses more money that they've earned, that they deserve. Give them some dignity. And he's like backed into a corner and then it's defaulting to symbolism. Then it's like, oh, well, I can offer you a clap. You can have many, many claps. You've worked very hard for them. You should be very proud of these claps. Can I spend them in a store? Can I buy some food with them? No, 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 no. They're just a one-time only deal. I'll clap for you. It's defaulting to symbolism. Um, My own personal example of this is when, whenever I moan about uh, childcare, right? And being a father is obviously a huge part of my life and I love it to death. I love, you know, I've got a little boy who's five. I've got an 11 month old baby and it's me, my girlfriend, my two kids and we are a tight little unit. We are fucking great. Uh, And I love being part of a family. And when my little boy talks about being part of a family it, 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 like even when he doesn't talk about anything when, it, when it's just his face looking at stuff and you know working out a puzzle or it's my daughter just holding a crisp packet and scrunching it and stuff I could just watch their faces for hours I am compl- I'm dripping with love for them and I'd do anything for them uh, but there is a a struggle and a grueling reality of being a parent that people without children or people who have childcare locked down in in different ways um just just spectacularly cannot understand so uh if we're talking about um you know people who who have grandparents in the picture you know they can when it gets a bit tough or they've had a long day they can just take the kids around to grandma's and be like would you mind having them just i'll pick them up on saturday morning oh oh thanks you're a lifesaver then they go home they get some sleep (laughs) You know, they order a takeaway. It's just them and their husband. Then they can bang the night away and pick, you know, like it's, there's, there's, there's that kind of setup. That is not us. That's not a lot of people. Um, there's other people who earn a fucking shit ton of money and they can just afford to put both of their kids in like ongoing childcare forever. <laughs> you know, they just, they go to school and then they're picked up by childminders and then uh, uh, all through the week, or they have an au pair, nannies, and, you know, maybe they have a brother or a sister that comes over on a Saturday and Sunday and they all go out, out together. And we have something near to that in the, like, we don't have an au pair or a nanny, but we have a childminder. And it's it, like the cost of it is, oh, my God, if I didn't have childcare to pay for, I'd be fucking bawling. Um, it's so outrageously expensive to just have my children looked after so me and my girlfriend can continue to work. Uh that it's like it is financially crippling um to see that i mean i've got i mentioned an 11 month old daughter and a five-year-old uh son and to put my my son gets picked up from school 
and then we pick up the pair of them at five from the childminder and that in one month is £1,100 out of my salary just a huge fucking dent like money comes in <laughs> childcare goes out like that's it, that's how it feels um, uh, and, and whenever I complain about this and I I get that it's hard to relate to it if you are childless or you have childcare on tap uh, because it seems like you're just moaning about having kids but it's a very different thing I'm not moaning about having children I love my kids I'm moaning about the complete lack of support for parents uh, when you think of you know away from the sort of mental health uh, element of it you know you should be helping parents to not feel overwhelmed and stressed and so that they are emotionally healthy and in the best possible state to raise their children so that you've got a healthy country being raised right away from that it's economically it would make sense to have these these parents freed up to go back to work and earn more money and spend more money in the economy and buy holidays and save up for cars and and all the rest of it it would make economic sense to to have some sort of support structure there for them so whenever I say there should be financial support or there should be publicly funded nurseries or, um, you know, there's always this attitude of like, oh, if you don't want kids, don't have it. It's like, motherfucker, can you just back up a minute and just put your little soundbite ready to go fifth gear responses? Just leave them on the coffee table for two seconds and listen, right? It's, it's not that it's like people don't want to not have kids. They love their kids. People want some structure and support in place so that they have the, the right foundations to raise their child well. And sometimes when you think that you're going to have some support from your grandparents or you think that local nurseries are going to have spaces for your kids and then it turns out that they don't, sometimes it feels like maybe there should be more of a helping hand there for those people. And especially for single mothers. Like it's, it's one thing for me to sit here and say, I don't want to pay £1,100 a month out of my salary because I find it financially crippling. I, I am able to pay that money and continue to work. I'm in a luxurious, privileged position. But for, for single mothers who, I don't know, they don't think for one reason or another that their partners are going to cheat on them or run away with the checkout girl or, um, or it turns out that they were married the whole time and then they go back to their wives. You know, there's, there's so many different reasons and ways why a mother would end up single. So to then punish her with a complete lack of support for the children that she thought she was going to raise with the other half seems callous, uh, unnecessary, and frankly, economically damaging. Like if you gave her a leg up, she would be back in work, she'd be earning money, and the economy would benefit as a result. Um, and they've run schemes like this in, in Germany. Anyway, look, I'm going, I'm going way off on a tangent once again. Uh, my original point with this was to focus on uh, on when the government defaults to symbolism out of desperation. So when I talked about nurses asking for more pay earlier and they get back to into a corner and then they're like, oh, have some symbolism instead. Clap, 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 clap. It is the same with childcare. It's like, look, here is a white paper on the benefits of supporting single mums or, or indeed any family that needs support and needs some help to raise their children in a way that is emotionally healthy and benefits the economy. Here is a white paper that statistically shows other countries like Germany, other countries like Sweden have got this nailed down and the, the country has benefited as a result. Here are the irrefutable facts of the situation. Then when they're backed into a corner 
out of desperation, what do you get? Then you get people like Rishi Sunak saying, oh, I think the nation owes a great debt to the mums of Great Britain because they have really, you know, they've really pulled out all the stuff. Motherfucker, I don't care about being congratulated for homeschooling my children in a pandemic, all right? Number one, that's incredibly reductive and insulting and exclusionary as well. You know, I was sat there with my son doing homeschooling. So when you say shit like, I think we, know, we owe a, a great debt to the mums of Great Britain, I find that, uh, I find that detached and insensitive. Uh, but number two, most importantly, it is, it's a, uh, a diversionary, if that's the right word. It's a, it's a technique to um, dismiss the idea that the state might have a responsibility to help some motherfuckers. So when we say it's been really hard for parents stuck at home with their kids, it's been really hard for parents and they need uh, more subsidised nursery, it's been really hard for parents and sometimes they need um, some help footing the childminder bills. Uh, and so on or or you need to look at i don't know relaxing the regulation for nurseries so that then one nursery person can look after more than four children at what i don't know like something along those lines the 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 backed into a corner uh, uh reaction of this government and indeed most governments uh seems to then be oh you're such heroes oh you parents i don't know how you do it it's like I'd, I'm not asking you to know how I do it. I do do it. That's the, that's the point and that's the problem. Can I have some help? Oh, God, I just don't know how you do it. You're such heroes. You really are. I don't want to be a hero. I want to get on with my work. I would like some help, please. I'm telling you, this is really fucking hard and I need some help. Can somebody please give me some support? Oh, you're such a hero, though. Just heroes, heroes, heroes. That's all I say. Are you fucking deaf? Can you give us some help? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's... When they get backed into a corner, it is default symbolism. And when they're not backed into a corner, it is defiant symbolism. Uh, and I don't know how we solve that. I don't know how in, in an era of post-truth where when you, you ask a question or you deliver facts or you break it down and give them the information that supports the conclusion that you've come to, where you say, this is the reason why we need to do this. And here is the facts that back this up. And you're welcome to investigate it. But please, can you respond and give us some kind of direction as to why you're not funding X, Y, and Z? Like, it doesn't have to be childcare. If it's the nurse's pay rise, if it's this, if it's that, if it's bin collection, can you just give us the information that allowed you to arrive at your conclusion? Then, when you get people saying, yeah, 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 no, 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 can't do that. Clap, 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 clap. Oh, you're such heroes. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it is, it's something that has bled out across all of the political uh, society and, and consciousness. And yeah, I don't know what we do about it. Um, this has been fun and depressing. Uh, it's been another episode of Fuck This Week. I've been your host, Aid Thompson, and uh, I'll be back hopefully tomorrow night with a guest, which I've yet to book. Uh, for the actual Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments podcast, live Friday night on YouTube. Also, don't forget, um, check out the Patreon. I've got some exclusive content on there. It starts with stories about when I used to work in recruitment, starting with the shit in a cup story. You don't want to miss that. That is the time somebody maliciously shit into a branded mug at the bank I used to work at. Uh, It's on Patreon now. Um, For the price of a coffee, you can get the access to that and the upcoming podcast, which will be going on there exclusively also. Um, Thanks very much. Take care of yourselves and each other.